Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. All right, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? I do this every time, but I mean it every time. Can we give our worship team a round of applause? Tell them we're thankful for them. I was at a, uh, I was at a uh, pastor's conference this last week, and the, the conference was held by a group that's well-known for their worship, and I was sitting there listening to their worship, and in all humility was thinking, ah, ours is better. So anyway, really honored to be here and have worship like that, be in this environment. Hey, in case you are new here, uh, Keith introduced himself. I'll introduce myself. My name is Braden. Uh, I'm the senior pastor here at Renew Life Church. We started Renew Life Church uh, almost 10 years ago now. We're actually going to celebrate our 10th anniversary at our Midland campus this year. Uh, I think we're not even, are we two years old yet? Almost? March, two years old. So this is pretty, pretty new campus, but really glad you're here. Uh, my wife has got our middle daughter uh, playing volleyball this week, so she's not here with us, but uh, we're, I'm, I'm glad to be here, really honored to be here. I have a ton of things I feel like I need to cover, and so uh, enough of the niceties. We're going to jump right in. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to, let's go to 2 Corinthians 3. Um, I love how Keith started. I just felt the Lord uh, urged me to say this. I, I love how Keith started our, our ministry time by just inviting the, the Holy Spirit in to kind of have his way in this service. And uh, there, there could be a couple of different stances that some might take. Uh, if someone were to do that. And I felt like the Lord said, I think, I felt like the Lord said to me, the Holy Spirit doesn't need us to explain him to unbelievers. Uh, I think the charismatic church or even Pentecostal church, anybody raised in a Pentecostal church? Oh yeah, y'all are crazy. I could tell by looking at y'all, y'all had that look in your eye even when you raised your hand. Uh, if you see them doing laps around the church before the service is over, it's totally normal to them. So um, anyway, all jokes aside, uh, seriously, the, the Holy Spirit doesn't need us to explain him to unbelievers. He wants people saved more than you do. The Holy Spirit wants people saved more than you do. He wants people healed. He wants them delivered, set free more than you do. And so I think it's good sometimes that we kind of get back to some of our roots. That's something we've been talking a lot about. Uh, back to some of our roots and allow the Holy Spirit to, uh, to do what only he can do and get out of his way. Now, uh, the contrast to that is the flesh, people in the flesh are weird. People in the flesh are weird. And sometimes when you add the flesh and the Holy Spirit together, you get really weird. Uh, so that's not what I'm talking about, but I do think it's important that we acknowledge that we need the power, the presence, the help of the Holy Spirit, who is the master teacher. Uh, and I, I think the world has seen enough religion. What they don't see is, is enough power, and power comes by the person of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, in case that is new to you, we are a church that not only believes the Bible, but we also believe in the power and the person of the Holy Spirit who indwells us from the moment of salvation and empowers us to change the world around us. Amen. Good. Awesome. Um, we're going to jump. Well, hold your place in 2 Corinthians 3 because we'll eventually get there. But I want to read to you uh, to begin with. Now, I, I should preface this by saying um, my message. If you, how many of you guys were here right when worship started, heard what Luke was saying? Just I think there's only a few of us in the room by the time Luke was saying all this. I, I was telling our team backstage what I was going to teach on. And I could tell something was going on in Luke. And Luke literally had the exact word, the exact Greek word. Uh, the exact scripture that I had, and he came up to me before the, after our pre-service meeting, he's like, hey man, I didn't mean to steal your message, and I was like, well, apparently it wasn't mine or yours, it was the Holy Spirit, so uh, we literally have all the same notes to start this, but uh, I actually want to begin in, in Romans chapter 12, the title of today's message is Beholding Jesus, uh, 
beholding Jesus. Let's just stop for it. I feel like we're just supposed to stop and pray for just a minute. Holy Spirit, we do we just invite you in. We invite you in to have your way in this service. Lord, I ask that the words that come from my mouth today are not words of the flesh, but they're words of the Spirit. And I surrender, just like your word says, my body as a living sacrifice to be used by you for your good, not my good, for your glory, not the glory of the name of a church. And I believe that with that attitude in mind, every single person today, every single person in this room today will leave better, more hope, with more hope, more faith uh, than they came in with. And so I just give you the rest of this service in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1. This is a scripture, a passage of scripture that most of us have heard. Uh, and, and not just heard, but also probably heard someone preach on. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourself and you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove, now that word prove there, and I think this is gonna add some context to this and maybe some importance. Uh, that word prove is the Greek word discern, discern so that you might discern what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Every single person in this room, by a show of hands, how many of you guys would like to know the will of God? You'd like to know the will of God for your life? Every single one of us, that's why we're here. You wouldn't be here if you didn't. Well, this scripture is telling us if you want to prove, if you want to discern and actually know what discern means to know, if you want to discern the will of God in your life, that comes by having a renewed mind. And a renewed, when we renew our mind, it says that we become transformed. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, I don't really want to preach on this scripture for too much time uh, because I want to get to something else. But I do think it, it, it should be said as we're looking through this um, that according, uh, some basic bullet points of this scripture is that, uh, first of all, believers should not look like the world. There should be something that distinguishes us from the world. Some people uh, say, well, I do this, I do this, and it's really just looking like the world, but I, I'm trying to reach the world. The world doesn't need you to look like them to reach them. They don't need that. What they need, you to, what they need is for you to be different, to come apart, be separate. They're looking for something, for something different. So we shouldn't look like the world. The second thing is, is that we should be constantly on a journey of transformation. If you cannot remember the last time that God changed your mind about anything, I would go back and re-examine, am I on a transformational journey? When's the last time that uh, through scripture, through a message, through prayer, and in worship, or something in, as, as, you were, as you were looking to him, as you were pointing your affection towards the things of God, that all of a sudden you went, wait, I used to think this way, and now I think this way. We are supposed to be constantly on a journey of transformation. As, a, as a, a believer for a long time, as the pastor of this church, I am regularly seeing things where I go, you know what, I did not think that way five seconds ago, but now that I see this, I'm going to have to think another way about a thing. We're constantly supposed to be on a journey of, of transformation. And last but not least, transformation begins with how you think. Transformation begins with how you think. How you think, um, and let me say it a different way, your thoughts are not insignificant. In fact, if you understood how significant your thoughts were, we might do a better job of taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Because every single person in this room, we would acknowledge that throughout any given day, a, a, I won't say a million, <laughs> exaggerative, 
a ton of negative thoughts go through your mind unchecked. A ton of crazy thoughts. Crazy thoughts go through your mind all throughout the day. And my question is, how often do we check them? How often do we open our mouth and check them? Say, no, 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 that's not, that's not what I need to be thinking about. That's not the truth about me. Uh, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, it says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you want to change how he is, change how he thinks. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And I, I would just leave that with you and we'll go on to something else. But I, I encourage you to get very serious about checking your thought life. And when I say checking your thought life, what I mean is if a thought runs through your mind that is not likened to heaven coming to earth, then you need to open your mouth and decree heaven over that thought. Does that make sense? If worry, if fear, if shame, if lack, if unbelief comes through your mind, you have to check it with the thoughts of heaven. Amen? All right. I don't have time to preach too much on that. Um, this, I, I want to take a look at this word transform because I think this is a pretty fascinating word. And I didn't know this until I really began to study this. But this word transformed that we just read in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, don't be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transform comes from the Greek word metamorpho. Uh, metamorpho, which I think you see where this is going. It's where we get our word metamorphosis, which is to transform, to change to transfigure, and I think this is really interesting, and I don't, I don't think I'm gonna have time to go into it this deep, but this word transform also means the word transfigure, and transfigure is the same thing that happened to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was, his face and his whole, his whole being was transfigured. Only one other time do we see this level of transfiguring, which is Moses' face after what? Both were in the presence of the Lord. So there's something to this, this word transformation. But staying on the word transformations, to transform, uh, the word transformed, transform, change, transfigure, transform. Uh, this word is only used twice in all of Scripture. Twice in all of Scripture. We're right here in Romans chapter 12, verse 2 is the first one. Today I want to focus on the second one, which is in 2 Corinthians 3. 2 Corinthians 3, how many guys are in 2 Corinthians 3? Uh, I, still, I still deal with this sometimes. I, I don't carry a, a Bible anymore because I do everything digital, and uh, I still feel a little bit guilty for that, like that I don't carry. Like we went to a pastor's conference this week, and uh, we're in the airport on the way meeting some friends, and Stacy, y'all know Cody that preaches sometimes, his wife Stacy. She literally walks out of the airport, and she's carrying the biggest Bible she has, I promise you. And I'm like, do you think you're more important when you carry a big old Bible like that? Uh, you're so spiritual. Um, but in case you actually have your real Bible turned there, uh, fake Bible, click there. Second um, Corinthians 3, starting in verse 12. It says, therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not, steadily, uh, could not look steadily at the end of what was passing by. But their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, because the veil is taken away in Christ. And even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their hearts. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there's freedom. And this is the part I want to focus on today. It says, but we all, and this we all that he's talking about here are we all who have turned to the Lord. So if you have turned to the Lord, this is him talking to you. We all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, 
the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. I'm going to read it one more time. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror. So get the, get the imagery here. When this veil, this, this metaphoric veil that Scripture's talking about is being, when we receive the Lord, this veil is removed. I, I, I've, I've heard it said that if you read the Old Testament, you can still see Jesus veiled, where the New Testament is Jesus revealed. What do we know? What happened when Jesus said, it is finished on the cross? It says the veil was torn. The veil was rent. Which veil are we talking about? The veil in the Ark of the Tabernacle that's, that separated the, the inner court from the Holy of Holies. That veil was rent. It was torn which opened um, all of humanity up to the presence of God, to the person of God. So it says, but we with unveiled face, why are we unveiled? Because we now have Jesus in our heart. With unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, which means we're, we're beholding something in the mirror, what? The glory of the Lord. And when we do this, we are being transformed into the same image. What image are we being transformed into? The one that we're looking at the glory of the Lord Jesus. From glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Um, simply put, again, I'm, this, this can come across somewhat overly simplistic, but just because it's sim- simple doesn't mean it's not powerful. When we behold Jesus, we are being transformed into him. When we behold him, we are being transformed into him. Now, I would propose that under the law, transforming us being transformed into image came by works. The, the, the becoming like him was, and I would even say to your modern day Christian, when you say, how are you becoming more like Jesus? First of all, I think we would all agree that that is that not the goal, that we should be becoming more and more like him. Well, if that's the goal, if you ask your average Christian, how this week do you plan on becoming more like Jesus? Most people will respond with some version of, I'm going to be more patient. I'm going to be more kind. I'm going to uh, stop saying cuss words at random people that drive by and cut me off. I'm going to, and and you can fill in the blank with uh, your own weakness. But here's what we do. When we say, I want to be more like him, our brain automatically assumes that to be more like him, I'm going to have to do something like him. Does that make sense? To be more like him, I'm me, in my strength, and I am going to do something different. And most of us come to church and, on a regular basis, and we leave with something this is going to sound like I'm going to contradict myself here in a minute. We, with, we, need to, we need to change what we've been doing. We need to change how we've been behaving. Now, let's go back to the scripture. Because this scripture says that becoming like him begins with beholding him. It's beholding him. When we behold, I mean, let me read it again. Now, now, now the Lord is the Spirit, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed, are being transformed into that same image, the same image that we're beholding. 
I propose to you that whether you like it or not, you are becoming whatever you're looking at. You are steadily becoming more like whatever it is that you're, you're looking at. Uh, uh, Luke already said this, but I'll, I'll say it again. That, that word behold is the Greek word eido, E-I-D-O, which means to be sure to see. Be sure to see. This is not just look at. Will you look at it? Just, just look at it. It's not that. <laughs> this is not look at. This is to be sure to see. Be sure to see. Don't miss it. Looking at is something that we do every single day. If you drive, looking at is something that you do to a traffic signal every day. You glance at it just long enough to get your instructions. Am I supposed to stop? Am I supposed to go? Am I supposed to slow down? Which I, I'm quite certain we just need to eliminate the yellow light because nobody listens to the yellow light. It's the most disrespected thing maybe on this planet. It, but we, we don't, when's the last time you caught yourself beholding a traffic light? That's just my beholding posture. I don't know, it felt right. We don't behold a traffic, we look at it. I'm not saying we don't look at it. We, we look at, there's lots of things that we look at. But behold is different. Behold is what a, what, a, what a groom does when his bride's walking down the aisle. There's an energy. There's an emotion. There's an expectation connected to beholding. Beholding is, is what happens the first time you look at the ocean. The first time you're watching a sunset, a sunset, we, we actually, my, my wife and I, for our 20th in December, we went to Cabo, and I, I'll never, this is just, these are scenes that are etched in my mind. We actually uh, took a, 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 a chartered yacht out one morning to, to go marlin fishing, and it's not a big deal. We caught 15. No one's ever done it, but it's, it's not a big deal. Not the point I'm trying to make, um, but I just remember I'm, I'm, com- I'm coming out of this port, and there's this, I don't know if you've ever seen that big famous rock in Cabo, I forget the name that it's called, but the sun, the whole sky is orange, and there's this rock, and all of a sudden, there's these dolphins, and then we get out a little further, and there's these giant humpback whales with their little ones, and I, I'm just, I'm seeing some of this for the first time. That's beholding. I'm, I'm, I cannot believe what I'm looking at. I cannot take my eye off of this. I I'm afraid to take my eye off it in case I miss something because what I'm looking at is doing something in here. A traffic light has never done that to me. But when, there are certain things that when, we, when, when you see your wife walking down, your wife-to-be walking down the aisle, when you see beauty, another one, maybe the best example of all, when you see Celine Dion sing. Now, for the record, I have a lifetime pass on Celine Dion. My, my, my wife have an agreement. I can look at her any way I want to. I'm like, if my wife can look at her that way, I can look at her that way. It's like, she's special, but I digress. Beholding is a, it's a different kind of looking at. It's a, it's a different kind of, of connection that's happening. happening. When, when I say, when, when, I say be, when we behold him, we're being transfigured into him, I'm not talking about occasionally looking at him with no expectation. I propose tons of people today in churches are looking at Jesus. My question is how many are beholding him? How many of you came in here with an expectation, with an energy on the inside of you, (laughs) with an emotion that I am going to be with him? And today, the word tells me that where two or more are gathered, he is there, 
Today, I'm going to be with him. I'm going to see him. Not I'm going to church. Tons of people are going to church today. How many people are coming to behold the king? There's a weight to that. There's a significance to that. Beholding him, we are transformed into his image. I, um, I'm very thankful for the way I was raised because um, at an early age, my parents got saved and, and not just in the kind of way that like, oh, we got saved, we're Christians, uh, we might go to church occasionally. No, from an early age, I got to see a mom and a dad that were all in. I mean, I'm talking about, if you know my parents, especially my mom, you know what I'm talking about. Like, it's either all or nothing. And we were like the only 10-year-olds that had prayer journals in the whole city. I mean, like, it was, it was intense. And so, but uh, I'll never forget this. Um, they, they subscribed to every Christian magazine that you, you could get your hands on. And one of the Christian magazines that they subscribed to uh, was by, by a man named Jesse Duplantis. I don't know if you've ever heard of Jesse Duplantis. He's half preacher half comedian and uh, but as a young kid I was really drawn to him because he was so funny and, and entertaining and but I'll never forget one of the one of his at magazines came in and then I'm just I'm, I'm becoming more and more aware of the fact of how marked I was at a young age for the things of God this was not something that snuck up on me uh, there were moments in my childhood where I was I was strangely drawn to the things of God and I'll never forget looking through this magazine I could not have been more than 12 years old but I'll never remember, forget looking through this magazine and I found a, you could purchase this um, graphite sketch of Jesus' face. And it was unlike any graphite, any face of Jesus that I'd ever seen. Because it wasn't the, and hope, hope this is not offensive, it wasn't the Catholic Barbie doll Jesus face. It wasn't the porcelain looking, stoic looking, feminine looking I'll stop right there before I say something else. But like it wasn't that version of Jesus that this picture was. It was like, imagine a man's man belly laughing. And it was a picture of a man's man, Jesus as a, a man's man, but he was laughing. And I remember I had, it was the first time in my, my mind that I had, I had pictured him in such a good mood. And it, it, and I, when I say this marked me, I'm telling you it marked me so much so, I don't even know if mom still has this, so much so um, we had to do a, a drawing, like you had to go, you had to bring a, a piece of something to school one day and then you had, to, you had to draw out what you found. And I took that picture of Jesus to school and I actually drew my own version for my parents and I remember giving it to mom and this had this little cheesy little gold frame on it. And it, was, it, actually, it was actually pretty good now that I think about it. it was, did a pretty good job, but um, what I, I was just so marked by the face of Jesus that even as a young kid, I didn't care if I was laughed at or made fun of for taking a laughing picture of Jesus to school. That's what I wanted to draw. And, and here's, why, here's why I love this. And it's why it's so important, moms and dads, that you train your children up in the way that they should go so that in the end, they will not depart from it. It is extremely important what you're doing. It's extremely important. And that one magazine that my mom and dad subscribed to gave me one picture that imprinted a picture of Jesus' face. And you know what's funny? To this day, I'm 41 years old. I know I don't look it, but I'm 41 years old. To this day, when I start beholding him, one of the first things I see is that picture of him laughing. I have an image of him, and it's not just any image. It's an image of him in a good mood. 
It's, a, it's an image, and what it begins to do is it, begin, it begins to attach the reality of God to my soul so that I'm not beholding the sky, I'm beholding the king. I think, I think that's a, something we all have to work through, if I'm just being honest with you. What am I beholding? You know, I was listening to a message yesterday, even a guy preaching on this, about how Jesus constantly looked to the sky. <laughs> and, and what happens, we, we all just, we do this. When it's like, let's just lift our eyes. Let's look up. And it's like, I think in some, in some way that can be like, wow, I'm looking. I don't see anything. But I know we're supposed to look up because he can't be down. He's got to be up, you know, and he is. But I'm, I have a picture of him in my mind's eye so that when I'm beholding him, I have, I'm, I'm connecting this to something in my soul. I think every single one of us needs to have encounters with Jesus that mark our visuals with him forever. I had, I, you've heard me probably, if you've been here very long, you've probably heard me say this. I, I had a pretty radical encounter with the Lord. It, I, would, I would say more than an encounter. I had a visitation from the Lord uh, almost 13 years ago now. And in that visitation, I didn't even see his face. I, I, all that I saw, to be very brief, all that I saw was I heard him from behind. I closed my eyes fast because I was scared. I laid down. And then I had a semi-out-of-body experience where the Lord showed me what was happening in the spirit realm. And I saw Jesus step over me, and then he began to lay down beside me. So literally, the only, of Jesus, the only thing I've ever seen, other than the picture, the only thing I've ever seen was about, I didn't even see his kneecaps. It was about his shin down. That's about how much of him I've seen. Then he was with me for somewhere in the vicinity of 20 to 30 minutes. Don't really know. I was uh, preoccupied. Um, but that 20 to 30 minutes and the visual of his feet has changed my life. The last 13 years of my life, I can, I can go back to that moment and it's like something begins to happen in my soul all over again. Because I remember when I was with him. I have a picture of his face that someone drew. I believe by the Spirit. So that I'm, I'm connecting him, I'm connecting myself to him in a, in a unique way, in a different way. The, the reason I'm bringing all of this up is we have to, um, we have to stir ourselves up into encounters so that those encounters will sustain us for decades. I'll just tell you this straight up. Um, I have noticed that the last two years-ish that I can tell that story of having my visitation with the Lord and I don't begin to cry. And the people that have known me would know for, a, for 10 straight years, I, if I just started the story, I'd start crying. It, it marked me so deeply. It moved me so deeply. And what I've noticed over the last two years is I have not been having that same emotional reaction. Can we all just be honest? When we, we, all, we all long for not just to hear some good preaching and go to church. We want something else. There's just a little something in us that we long for something else. Um. I was, I was taught, we, me and Leanne met a lady in the airport. She happened, we were in a Colorado Christian University t-shirt, uh, sweatshirt, and we were in Sacramento, and our oldest daughter, she's actually fixing to go to CCU starting in the spring, uh, I'm sorry, next fall, and so I was like, oh, there's some CCU parents, let's go talk to them, and so we started talking to them, and next thing you know, we're ministering to them and talking and sharing our number with them, and, but the lady said this, we were, we were like, how did you find out they're actually going to a Bethel conference, this random thing, like we, they were going to a Randy Clark conference, and so we just briefly said, um, so how did you hear about Randy Clark, and she goes, you know, I've been a Christian my whole life, and she goes, and I'm pretty sure my whole life 
I knew there was something more, but I wasn't 100% certain until I discovered some of the teachings of Randy Clark, she goes on to say. I believe most of us are that way. We, I think all of us, no matter what level or depth of experience you've had with God, something in you tells you there has to be more. Y'all have it. I think we want that. I, so back to my story. I, I, at 10 years into it, I notice I'm not having the same level of, of reaction uh, to this when I would visualize and re-encounter. And I, and I kind of started feeling bad about it. I was like, I don't like the way I'm feeling. I remember I used to tell this story and just couldn't hardly get the words out. And so I, uh, for the first time ever, I didn't ask the Lord for the first visitation. But for the last two years, I, I've, I've noticed it for two years. But for about the last six months, really, I, I, I found myself in prayer saying, hey, Lord, um, you want to hang out again? You want to do this again? I, and I, I've caught myself in faith asking to see him again. Because the last time I saw him, it changed my life for over a decade. I didn't see his face. I didn't see his hands. I saw a glimpse of his bottom of his robe and his sandal. Something happens when we see him. And, and something more happens when we don't just look or see, see him or look at him. It's when we behold him. When we behold him, when we behold him, we, we don't miss what he's there for. We, when we behold him, we are transformed into his image. I, uh, that, that, that testimony of my encounter with the Lord was the most significant thing that had ever happened in my life. It's the most significant, significant thing that has ever happened in my life before or since. But what a, a secondary thing began to happen that I think began to do not just an instantaneous work, but I know something happened when he, when he, when he laid ne- next to me. Something changed once and for all. Um, in fact, my, something about my countenance changed because my wife, she didn't know it had happened. When she saw me for the first time, she walked into the room. She looked at me and she stopped and looked me up and down like she did when I was 20. Um, <laughs> sorry, distracted. Um, but she stopped and she kind of looked at me and she goes, what happened to you? I didn't say a word to her. Nothing, in my mind, nothing had happened. But she saw me differently. I propose I had seen him, seen him. I had beheld him. Therefore, I had been transformed whether I knew it or not. Um, however, that encounter invited me on a journey. Well, let me go back because I missed a point here that I, I definitely want to bring up. I, in fact, it happened again this, it was this morning and then this weekend when we were in Sacramento at a pastor's conference. I was praying through this thing and I, I was spending time in prayer that morning and I, I caught myself again asking, I said, Lord, I want to see you again. I want to see you again. And um, he, he began, and I caught myself saying this out of my mouth by my spirit. I said, I don't care if it takes one time or 50 times or 500 times or 5,000 times of showing up waiting for you until you show up, I'll be there until you do. And here's why that is significant, because I had never asked for a visitation of the Lord, but he had been calling me by his word into more. He had been inviting me into more in his word. And what a lot of people don't know, like, oh man, you're so lucky that Jesus showed up. Kinda. And this is not to get... I hope you hear my heart. This is not to give myself credit for anything, but kind of, because here's what I do know. He showed up in a place 
that was very uncomfortable for me two years prior. The Lord invited me into a place of laying on my face before him in worship. Two years before I saw him, the Lord had invited me, hey, I want you to worship me like David worshiped me. And for days, weeks, months, years, I had gone into that place and I had worshiped him like David worshiped him with no visitation. But day after day after day after day, and I, again, I'm not saying we, you gotta be careful with this stuff. I'm not saying we earn him showing up. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is oftentimes the most significant expressions are on the backside of significant obedience. Significant encounters often follow significant faith. And so I caught myself in again this morning praying, Lord, I don't care how many times it takes. I'm going to keep showing up until you do. I want that. I long for that. However, fast forward. That encounter invited me into a relationship with God where, um, and I only have a couple minutes left, but all, all I could think about was Jesus. I had been pastoring for years up to this point. I, I had taught a bunch of messages on a litany of subjects. I, I, I was, I, I mean, I, I, have doc, I still have every, I have the notes for every message I've ever preached and I, on a file. And I, the other day I was going through them. I was like, I cannot believe how many messages that I, at this point in my life that I've, I've preached from a, from a youth pastor to a senior pastor to a campus pastor, whatever. And, and I had preached a ton of messages. However, in that season, I felt the Lord saying to me, preach only Jesus. But it, and if I'm just being really honest, before he told me to preach only Jesus, all I wanted was Jesus. All I wanted to think about was Jesus. All I wanted to look at was Jesus. This message of Jesus and grace and the finished work of the cross and that Jesus is in a good mood and I'm seated with him in heavenly places. I am clothed with him. I am hidden with him. Was, it was consuming my mind. And the strangest thing began to happen. Um, you will find this hard to believe, but I'm not, I am not prone to romance. Shut up, Keith. Um, I'm not prone to emotions. I'm not prone to hugging. I'm not prone. Funny story. I'm, yeah, he's not here. Uh, Lee, Susanna had a little school get together and she had a, a date last night and the, the poor little sucker was so nervous. He came in our house and, to meet me for the first time and he was literally shaking as he, and he walked up to give me a handshake and I was, and when I went to shake his hand, he just, I think he had forced himself to believe he should hug me and I'm like, you went all the wrong directions here, home skillet. Like, it's going, I, get it. Anyway, um, I'm not prone to those kinds of things. I, I, I really am, I, I'm, I'm really not. Um, <laughs> I kind of got sidetracked in what I was talking about. Um, I'm on this journey and I'm looking at Jesus. I'm reading every Jesus story I can think of. I'm, I, that's all I can think about. And the strangest things began to happen. I would go into my office with the intentions of reading the Bible, reading about Jesus, reading about grace. And for about a year solid, I could go into my office, shut my door, and I could, it would take usually less than five minutes. And in less than five minutes, I'm on the floor worshiping, literally, uh, Weighted down is, is not a good enough word. I could say it in tongues, but you wouldn't understand it. But 
I'm so covered by his love, the only thing I could do was get on the ground and worship. Now what's significant about this is what, what started this, this journey for me was the commandment of worship. The Lord asked me to lay before him in worship. I laid before him, I saw him, but the more I looked at him, the more I, I felt his love just, and that's the only time I can, only way I can explain it. I just felt his love in such a way that it, it caused me to worship. Worship was no longer an, an act of obedience. It was an automatic response to what I was feeling. And I just remember, um, the, and it took me a while for the Lord to, and I'll, and I'll read you some scriptures so you don't think I'm crazy. What I learned later on is that I would go to see Jesus. I would go to look at Jesus, but when I would look at Jesus, I would see the Father. And when I would see the Father, I would see love. And when I would behold love, I was being transformed into love. And I'm telling you, you can ask my wife, she wishes I would go back into this season at times, but I became the best version of myself, like a, a supernatural version of myself for a season. Because I, I, and I caught myself being more patient than I had ever been. Why? Because love is patient. I found myself being more kind than I had ever been in my life. Why? Because love is kind. I found myself being transformed into love because I was beholding love. I was beholding love because I was beholding the Father. I was beholding the Father because I was beholding Jesus. Jesus told his disciples this in John chapter 14, verse 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, for it is sufficient for us. And Jesus said to him, how long have I been, have I been with you so long and yet you've not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. He who has seen me has seen the Father. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is God. Love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, because God is love. My point is, I've, I've seen this happen in my own life, where as I beheld Jesus, I was unexpectedly, unknowingly, I, I knew it, but not in this way, I was beholding the Father. And in beholding the Father, I was beholding the attributes of love. I was beholding love himself. I was beholding everything that love is. And therefore, I was being transformed into the image of love. Not because I said, I'm going to be more patient today. How many of you guys would like some more patience? Let me try a different way. How many of you guys would like your husband or wife to have more patience? That's what I thought. A few more hands. Um, we, we want to be more patient. We want to be more kind. We want to be more like him. But I propose to you today, we don't become more like him by trying to be more like him. We become like him by beholding him. I cannot, um, it doesn't matter how much time I spend in prayer on any given day, it is not accredited to your account with him. It doesn't matter how many times you come to church and take part in the, what the worship team has prepared. Now, there's something, there is something about corporate worship. You can come in having done nothing, and you get in this environment, and you're like, ah, I'm glad somebody brought something today because I didn't bring much. But I, what I propose to you is what we're talking about today is, is uh, cultivating a secret place lifestyle. We actually heard some of this in this conference. It's cultivating a secret place lifestyle that only works between you and him. Like you don't even, I, I could sit here and describe that picture of Jesus that I drew, but you still won't know what it looked like. 
you have to stir yourself up unto encounter. You have to stir yourself up, up into a place where you're like, I, Lord, I'm gonna show up tomorrow and then I'm gonna show up the next day and I'm gonna show up all the next days until you show up in a way that marks me in such a way that I will never forget it. So that I have, so I can connect my soul to you, that I can behold you in a way that I've never beheld you. Because I know according to your word in beholding you, I'm being transformed into your image. And there's nothing we long for more, whether we know it or not. Whether you know what you long for or don't know what you long for. There's nothing we long for more than being with him. And in being with him, we start to look like him. And when we look like him, we show him to the world. It all works together. I want to be a witness. Awesome. Behold him. I want to change the world. Awesome. Behold him. If you want the world to see him, they need to see you transformed into him. That's how they're going to see you. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.